The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed. I'm your host, Marie Biancuso, and today I'm here with my special guest, Robin Freeze. Welcome, Robin. Thanks, Marie, for having me. It's always a pleasure to have you. Uh, Those of you who have been listening to my show for a while probably know that Robin came and talked with us about six months ago about hypnobirthing. I could hardly give an adequate introduction to Robin. She's a very interesting and very accomplished woman. She not only does the hypnobirthing, she is an IBCLC certified lactation consultant. She's also certified in infant massage. She absolutely knows her stuff and she is able to help us to look at things in a much more holistic way than perhaps other people can or do. So I know you're going to enjoy talking with Robin today. Among the many other things that Robin has done, uh, she has also put together two different CDs, which are available as a CD or an MP3, but one of them is specific to having enough milk and milk production, and the other one is related to actually being able to let down to a pump. And so I'd just like to give you that by way of introduction and then ask Robin, uh, Robin, what kind of, I, I suspect you've been in this business long enough that you have seen what I've seen, which is how many, oh, I'm sure you've lost track, how many women tell you, I don't have enough milk, I don't have enough milk, I don't have enough milk. <laughs> so I'm kind of guessing that maybe that's what inspired you to get going with this. But can you tell us a little more about that? Yes, Marie. I think that that it is true. Into my 20 years of practice, that seems to be a very common thread that based on infant behavior, how their baby is reacting, the first thing that comes into a mother's head is, I must not be feeding my baby enough. And I'm sure that that's some primal instinct to feed sure. your baby. And um, But I think that we only focus on food and feeding instead of other infant behaviors. And so sometimes what seems like low milk supply is really uh, the baby just needing to, to be calmed, but the baby's also a reflection of the mother. So if the baby is stressed Absolutely. out, probably the mother's stressed out too. <laughs> well, and you know, as I hear you talk about food, I'm thinking 
My own mother was in her late 80s when my husband and I would come through the door before midnight at night after a long drive, and she'd say, are you hungry? Have you had enough food? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think you're right about that, that, that mothers automatically want to make sure that their their children, uh, I mean, even if your children are grown, you know, right. to, to have enough food. So, yeah, Robin, you know, so often it seems to me, I distinctly remember some women who would stand right there and tell me they didn't have enough milk. And it, it reminds me of how in uh, 2000, I wrote an article for Advanced Nursing Practice uh, that talked about the difference between actual milk supply and perceived insufficient milk supply. I think I just said that wrong, but you know what I mean. That one is yeah. that one is the perception based on the baby's behaviors and other such things, and then there's the the actual. So I'm guessing that most of what you're addressing with your CDs, and even probably just in your everyday practice, would you say that most of what you address is the mother feels like she doesn't have enough milk, but she probably really does. Sure, and and I think that in reality, stress can interfere with milk production, so, so there may be a temporary uh, yeah. uh, problem with milk supply or milk yeah. letdown, yep, but uh, that could be fixed by, by, these, um, by different practices as opposed to a true hormonal interruption. And I would expand on that a bit and say, I've heard mothers tell me they don't have enough milk, and then they start supplementing and so then they really don't have enough milk because right. their body is getting the message of, oh, I don't need to make so much. Exactly. So, <laughs> you know, so much of this is, is it, let me put it this way. I see very little actual pathology. I see mostly issues that can be fixed. Would you agree? Exactly. I think it, a lot of what goes on is mismanagement as opposed yeah. to actual yeah. pathology. Correct. Yeah. So, Robin, for our listeners, tell us a little bit about what milk production really is and what milk letdown really is and how those things are related but different. Right. Well, milk production is the actual milk-making cells getting a signal uh, to, to make more milk. And as milk is emptied from the breast and those uh, the... Um, uh, the space that holds the milk inside the breast is emptied, there's a signal that uh, starts to um, activate more milk production. So the, the quicker milk is emptied from the breast, the more milk production occurs. But the actual letdown, the milk leaving the breast, is a whole other hormone of um, where the baby starts suckling. And in response to that suckling, um, other hormones are activated that push the milk out. So, um, so we could have somebody that's capable of making milk, and then um, maybe due to stress, they uh, they have difficulty letting down the milk, but they have no problem actually making milk Make once it. milk is removed. Yeah, that's an excellent explanation. And uh, one of the things that I've I've sort of got this mantra lately: remove to refill. Mm-hmm. Because people are so afraid that the baby took so much. And I say, yes, but that's actually a good thing. Right. Because right. you've got to remove all of the milk in order for the milk to refill. Right. And you're not going to refill if you don't have a letdown. Right, right. 
And, and what you said earlier about mothers giving formula, they're not removing their own milk. They're giving right. formula. And then the, since the milk is sitting in there, there's no signal to make more milk. So, Robin, when we come back for the, the second segment, we'll talk a little bit more about stress and its effects. But I'd like you to talk a little bit about oxytocin, that hormone that is responsible for the milk letdown. Can you talk to us a little bit about how it's supposed to work? And not only with just breastfeeding, but since you also are involved in uh, more of the birthing process, talk to us a little bit about how oxytocin is actually supposed to work. So oxytocin is a hormone that is actually made in the brain, in the pituitary, um, and it is a contracting hormone. So when we think of um, orgasm, it's, it, it is a part of, uh, it's the hormone responsible for that. It's the hormone responsible for contracting the uterus. It's also the hormone that is, contracts the milk-making cells and pushes milk out of the breast. So that's one purpose of oxytocin. And the other is that it's, it's like a love hormone. It's a social hormone. It, can, it connects you to other people, obviously. Uh, and people release oxytocin not only during the reproductive cycle, but when you're, you know, Thanksgiving, when you're eating, yeah. you know, your favorite foods around table with people that you love, you're, everybody's releasing oxytocin. So it's a real feel-good hormone, and so it has an emotional component and a, and a mechanical component, too. And so it's, an, it's responsible for everything having to do with this reproductive cycle, and so it's an important hormone to, to utilize, and, uh, and sometimes uh, people say, oh, well, how come I don't feel great when I have Pitocin, which is the synthetic form of Oxytocin? <laughs> um, and the reason is because that doesn't get into your brain. It's not released from your brain. It's injected into your bloodstream. So it, ne- it has the mechanical part of contracting the uterus, but it doesn't have the feel-good part. So we really want to use our own hormones as much as possible <laughs> rather than you know, try to, to use just the, the uh, synthetic versions uh, because they, they're just better. <laughs> Robin, I totally love that explanation. I've <laughs> never said it quite exactly that way. I've certainly explained the part about how it's, it's synthetic. And then I have said, for instance, that uh, it's, it's like the difference between leather and plastic, you know, that, right. that's, <laughs> that, that just doesn't feel the same. It just doesn't. Right. Uh, but but I love what you said about how it's it doesn't start in the brain, so therefore it doesn't have that feel good love connection, whatever you want to call it. Right, right. Uh, and and so really, and on the other side of the break, we'll talk about how when we mess around with. Uh, uh, our stress level, that that absolutely affects the oxytocin. But, you know, I'm also thinking, and I've said this for years, having worked labor and delivery, you show me an anxious woman and I will show you a long labor. Right. And and I think the same is true when I see an anxious mother who's trying to breastfeed her baby and her anxiety level is so so high that I'm thinking to myself, I don't know how she's ever going to relax enough to just be able to just go with it, you know, just right. go with the flow right. and to uh, really connect with that baby because that was one of your other words a minute ago about how the oxytocin really helps us to make that connection. Yes. 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 And, and uh, 
I think that babies uh, are a reflection of us. So, you know, yes. when mothers say, look, at my baby's so anxious and she's just crying all the time and, and it, they go back and forth, they feed each other. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. So it's really important that we can help women to to have the milk, but also to be able to, as you said, push it out. And oxytocin is responsible for that. Yes. So the the production part is responsible for, or is made possible, I should say, by the prolactin. So can you give us just a quick snapshot about prolactin and production? Well, prolactin is, again, uh, um, it's a a hormone from in the brain, from in the the pituitary gland, and that is uh, part of that cycle. The baby sucks and the milk leaves the breast and... Um, that prolactin tells those milk-making cells to start making more milk. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a connection and a, kind of a, you know, you just have to have that, the connection to the baby and the baby wanting to eat and then the baby actually getting milk and then more milk is being made. So often I have seen mothers, uh, and, and I've heard it called, I've heard prolactin called the mothering hormone. Mm-hmm. And so often what I will see is, especially, for instance, mothers that are working have told me, but I love to go home and be with my baby and nurse my baby because I feel so good. Well, that's right. that's part of the oxytocin. It's part of the prolactin where the woman's body is really built so that she can have that feeling and that whole mother-baby connection, feel-good thing happens. Right. Uh, and and I, I try to tell people, remember, we're designed to have this work right. You know, it's we yeah. that kind of mess it up. And when on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about uh, the stress and its effects. And in the meanwhile, I would just like to say that one of the stressful things that we have, especially uh, right now we're in the holiday season, which, of course, holiday season is now about two months long. But any time that people are traveling, stress is uh, present. And I would just like to thank, say thank you to Mama Va, which has created a uh, portable uh pod for lactating women to be able to either breastfeed or pump. And this is a wonderful way to reduce stress and to be able to uh, let down and have a good time with your baby when you're literally on the go. Hey, everybody, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here with lactation consultant Robin Fries. We will be right back after this short break. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. 
Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with Robin Fries, who is... The person who has produced two very excellent CDs that help mothers to produce more milk and to be able to more easily let down their milk. And before we went to break, we were talking about how the system is supposed to work with the hormones oxytocin and prolactin. So, Robin, that's all well and fine, but sometimes it's not the oxytocin or the prolactin that's in charge. Sometimes the stress hormones are in charge because mother is very stressed. Can you talk to us a little bit about what happens with the stress hormones? Okay. So the stress hormones occur in that when we're in that fight or flight mode and and that part of our nervous system is really helpful for survival when we have to react quickly to something. And so it has a very important purpose. But many times uh, we are in a, a stress mode, and it's not a survival uh, uh, situation. <laughs> it's just that we, we have stressful lives and we have very active lives. And, and so when that part of our nervous system is activated, we release stress hormones such as cortisol, adrenaline, um, catecholamines, um, epinephrine, norepinephrine, and those hormones actually suppress and shut down the feel-good hormones because we don't necessarily need to feel good when we're in a survival mode. So they, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the two systems kind of work. Um, there, there's a little bit of crossover with hormones of excitement. So, excite, so hormones um, like epinephrine, norepinephrine are also maybe even adrenaline are hormones of excitement as well. And so sometimes it's also perception. I mean, if you like to ride a roller coaster, you might oh. release it. Yeah, you that's a good example. A, yeah, you release adrenaline and norepinephrine, um, and and you might also ad- release feel good hormones. But for somebody that hates the uh, roller coaster, they might get nauseous and feel really sick, and release lots of um, cortisol and, and adrenaline, and 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 it's and it's it's actually it makes them feel ill. So. 
So it's, sometimes it's a perception of, of what's going on in your life and how you're responding to it. And, but stress really activates those hormones. So if we're stressed about the holidays or we're stressed about um, a new baby or how our family is you know, reacting to all that, then, um, then we're releasing hormones that actually interfere with, with some of our mothering techniques. <laughs> I, I loved the story about the roller coaster because that is so true that, that sometimes it's, it's excitement and some people like that kind of excitement. I personally don't, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, me either. Uh, Robin, as you talk about the baby, I'm thinking about these mothers in the NICU who have looked me in the eye and told me, oh, no, I don't have any stress. And I'm thinking... Your baby is hanging between life and death, you know. Right. <laughs> that, that seems yes. kind of stressful to me. I think that sometimes they're more in shock, and uh, it's. Uh, I think they they want to be polite. They're sometimes yes. they're too polite. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, agreed. Yeah. But but the fact is that stress is there. Yeah. And it's very difficult for them often to have a letdown. Uh, talk to us about some of the the things that you've seen where stress has impeded the woman's ability to, to, to let down, for example? So many times mothers call me when they're returning to work because they've been very successful at pumping at home when their baby's sitting next to them. And then they get to work and they can't let down. They're, they're feeling like they don't have enough privacy or there's not a lock on the door and, yep. and some, they hear footsteps in the hallway, even though it yep. might even be locked, but they still hear footsteps. Yep. Or, I agree. Uh, <laughs> and they, they, sometimes they'll say, well, it took me like 20 minutes before any milk came out. And so I can see that that might have impaired, that stress might have impaired their letdown. Certainly, letdown should occur in about in a couple minutes, if, if that. So... Uh, I had one uh, client who was a physician, and she got all dressed up for work, and when she came time to pump, she couldn't. She couldn't get anything out at all, and she didn't want to cry. She missed her baby, and she just held everything in until she got home, and uh, by the time she got home, she opened the door, heard the baby cry, and and just everything just exploded and leaked. Not exploded, but... (laughs) Yeah, her whole her breast yeah. just leaked like a waterfall, and and she had the letdown the minute she walked in the door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a real it can be a real thing, you know that that you, you, your body's supposed to let down and it and it won't. <laughs> I want to go back to the twenty minutes part because mm-hmm. when somebody tells me that they were pumping for forty minutes, they may have been pumping for forty minutes, but they didn't have action for forty minutes. Right. That really tells me that that first. And you mentioned 20 minutes. I think that's probably about right. Where what's happening is that they're too stressed out, so they don't have a letdown. And then I don't know if they just kind of give up or zone out or whatever you want to call it. But then I think that is that's when they start to get a letdown. And, Robin, we could probably debate this all day long, but haven't you seen women who are not aware of when they have a letdown and other women who are very, very aware of when they have a letdown? Oh, sure. That, that tingling sensation, uh, it, people read about it, and then they're concerned when they don't see uh-huh. that. And uh, when, when you have a letdown, when you're nursing your baby, you can hear your baby gulping, even if you don't feel the tingling. And if you feel that your breasts are very soft after 
the feeding, you know you had a letdown because the milk's not there anymore. It's in the baby. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. But I think at, at, at work, again, sometimes people say, oh, I can only pump an ounce. And we know if they have, you know, a 10-pound baby at home, three-month, you know, baby, old baby, that they're feeding their baby like three, four ounces maybe uh, from the breast if the baby's thriving, and and then they pump an ounce. So it's probably because they're not, you know, and and your body has multiple letdowns usually during a, a nursing session. So maybe they had a small one, or maybe they didn't have any. Uh-huh, that was just kind uh-huh. of what they could get out by sheer force of suction, but they didn't really have a letdown because most of that milk's up in the cells. It's not just sitting right behind the nipple. It's, it's right. up there waiting to be released. So, Robin, go back to this because I've got to believe that there are thousands of women who are listening and asking themselves, how come it is that I can be with my baby seemingly have plenty of milk, seemingly have a good letdown, et cetera, and then at work I only pump an ounce. I, I, I mean, I, I want to go back to this because I want to ask you, how much of that do you think is possibly related to just stress? Stress of the day or stress of they've only got so many minutes to pump or stress of it's uh, uh, the, they're afraid the door is going to swing open or whatever it is. How much of that do you think is is stress-related? Well, I often ask mothers what were they thinking about when they were pumping, and I say, were you thinking about work? Were you thinking about that knock on the door? Were you thinking about, uh, were you reading, you know, an article for work or answering phone Uh calls? Uh And and they all say, how did you know? (laughs) (laughs) And they weren't, you know, I tell them, you know, I tell mothers to bring a blanket and smell their baby, look at a picture of their baby. Some right. pumps now even have a recording where you can record your baby's baby. cry. So yes. all of the five senses, touch, smell, um, uh, auditory senses, all of those things are what's kind of feeding into how your body responds. So you have to surround yourself with the what you you know what you want to know what you want to get, which your outcome is to have a letdown, and then you have to kind of replicate what gets you a letdown at home. Back you know yes. while you're in the office, you can't just kind of be in the office and and have a good letdown. You have to really, um, at least initially, initially you have to condition your body to let down, and then the body gets used to the routine, and then it becomes more um, automatic. But initially, you really want to kind of focus on all of those uh, pleasurable uh, uh, sensory input to, to that remind you of your baby and why you're pumping, and then you usually have more success. Robin, talk to us a little bit about what I would call negativism, beliefs that you can't do it, negative beliefs, uh, people not knowing how to re- relax these days, and what I guess I would say are I don't know if the the right term is negative affirmations, but I've had people tell me from the time that they were, you know, a few weeks pregnant, oh, I'm so afraid I won't be able to do it. I'm afraid he won't be able to latch. I'm afraid I won't have enough milk, blah, 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 blah. Do you think these negative messages are part of the problem? Sure. I think that uh, we're just surrounded by by a lot of negativity. Uh, you know, you turn on the news and and it's all negative news. There, you know, I I know there is a channel somewhere on the internet that has good news on it, but I can't think of I can't even think of the name any right now. Right. Uh, but <laughs> it's, uh, you know, so so there's all kinds of things going on, and then 
on top of that, personally, women have lots of challenges to, you know, they've just had a baby, they have to go, if they're having to go back to work, even if they're not going back to work, they might be worried about finances and, yes. and uh, all kinds of things that um, produce stress hormones. And so, mm-hmm. so we're very uh, used to uh, our, our, our culture. Our culture just seems to um, promote the release of adrenaline way more than probably you know, a million years ago, I'm sure that yes. was stressful oh, yes. too. We had predators and, and, you know, we had, uh, but overall your life, you know, we should be, it should be about 95% of our life should be in the non-stressful state. Um, and we see that with, uh, just look at the pharmaceutical ads on television. Half of them are for digestive aids. So when oh, we're in a stress true. mode, uh, we don't digest, digest our food well. Because all of our blood uh, is circulating to our our large muscle groups, our arms and our legs, so we can run or fight. And so when we're in a stress mode, we uh, don't digest food properly. Yet when we're, you know, think about we don't eat uh, Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner in five minutes. It's right. a leisurely meal. It could last half an evening, and we're just, you know, we're eating a lot of food, but we're also kind of sitting there and talking and having a good time, and so, so that's that when digestion going around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yes. um, so I think that it's there's just a lot of evidence that that we have stressful lives. <laughs> Yes, and, absolutely. Uh, we, when, we, when we get on the other side of the break, well, I want you to talk to us about hip, how hypnosis is actually designed to help reduce some of that stress so that we are performing at a better level. Hey, folks, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here with Robin Fries. Don't go away. We'll, we will be right back after this short break. The Nuru Pocket is a newborn carrier specifically designed for skin-to-skin contact, affording mom full coverage and hands-free mobility while giving and receiving all the physiological benefits of kangaroo care. Our unique fabric is super soft, breathable, moisture-wicking, and it offers just the right amount of compression fit to ensure proper position and continued support. Hospitals and NICUs are implementing the new Roo Pocket for inpatient use to increase time spent skin to skin, as well as help improve breastfeeding scores and infant safety. Learn more at NewRooBaby.com. That's N-U-R-O-O-Baby.com. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. 
Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with IBCLC Robin Fries. And Robin has been talking to us about milk production, milk letdown, and stress, and how stress can interfere with all of that. Now, I'm going to ask Robin to go to the positive side. And I'm going to start out by saying that Robin was talking to us about how letdown is often improved when we have sensory input. And she talked about uh, hearing the baby cry, for example. But she also was talking about five senses, and I would agree with that. One of the things that I would like to just highlight, because I have the opportunity to do it, is that music has been shown to be very effective. And this was, uh, I'm thinking of a study by FEAR, Uh, F-E-H-E-R, as early as 1989, where they showed that women who were exposed to uh, music had milk volume that was 121% greater when they listened to the music than those who did not listen to music. And then in 2012, there was a study by Keith and colleagues who showed also increased milk production, but also higher fat content. And the most recent one that was done just a few months ago was by Ack and colleagues, which showed that music can increase milk supply in women who are stressed. So to me, all of that feeds in with what Robin has just been talking to us about, and it also feeds into hypnosis. So Robin, help me with this. When I suggest hypnosis to people, they usually look at me like I'm goofy because they they think that, that hypnosis is silly or goofy or something. So can you help us a little bit with, first of all, uh, is hypnosis recognized in a formal way as a, as, a, as a treatment? Yes, my understanding is that the American Medical Association actually recognizes hypnosis as having therapeutic effects. And there were many medical doctors in the 1950s that used hypnosis quite successfully for different uh, illnesses and, and even for childbirth and uh, and different conditions and fears and things. So, And then it became more uh, popular to use pills and pharmaceutical things. And so it fell out of favor with medical doctors 
but then it was still it's still widely used by hypnotists and psychologists and psychiatrists today. I can't help but interject here that the dentists used it a lot in the 1950s as well. Yes, I don't oh, know right. if yeah, I don't know if they had a statement on it, but I definitely know they used it. Are there other than illness, are there other places where hypnosis is used for better performance, so to speak? So currently, uh, at many um, there's a, a field of psychology called sports psychology, and so many sports teams, professional sports teams, including uh, many Olympic teams, actually have a team hypnotist that uh, <laughs> helps really? them. Yes. So the studies show that when people prepare both mentally and physically for some physical performance, they actually do better than if they just prepare physically. So, Robin, from a scientific standpoint, then, can you explain what is it that hypnosis does to us or to our brain? I'm not even sure what the question is there. Okay. Well, I'll try to answer it. So, hypnosis is defined, one definition is focused concentration through relaxation. And so, we go into a relaxed state where... Humans have a big analytical part of our brain. Our frontal cortex is actually um, bigger than any other, you know, animal on Earth. I think, uh, and and that it, it we analyze things and we and we decide um, logically sometimes, you know, how things, how what to accept and what beliefs to have. Whereas then we have another part of our brain uh, the, in the limbic system that holds our emotions. It holds part of our intuitive, more primitive um, responses to things. And in our subconscious part of our brain, we, uh, we can be more creative, sometimes uh, more intuitive. And that's where our beliefs are held. So... Um, when we do hypnosis, when we go into relaxation, when we ha- maybe have somebody guiding us through different beliefs that may, may uh, create a better outcome for us, we create a pathway that kind of links uh, between the logical, analytical part of our brain to the more intuitive, um, you know, creative part of our brain. And so it allows us to maybe entertain you know, possibilities that if we were only fully conscious, we would say, oh, I don't believe that. That can't possibly happen, you know. Uh-huh. Whereas uh-huh. when we go down into hypnosis, we, you know, that, that creative, artistic part of our brain um, really taps into, you know, we have that to it, intuition. And a lot of times that little voice in our head says, you should do this. It'll be good for you. And then you're like, oh, no, I won't do it. And you get, and you kick yourself. Right, <laughs> so, right. Uh, but hypnosis allows us to make that connection stronger and maybe tap in and listen a little more clearly. So I don't know if that helps. <laughs> Robin, I've had people say to me, no, I tried hypnosis uh, twice and it didn't work. Um, how would you respond to that? I think that that it takes some time sometimes to, again, let down that guard and really make that connection. It's a, if it's a pathway, it may not occur overnight. Sometimes it just takes a little bit more time. And by practicing the, uh, with different hypnosis techniques, you get better at it. And I think you get your, your, that connection gets stronger and then you're more able to, to tap into that intuition. 
But I Robin, I, I know that we I know that we talked about it on the show last time, but can you tell us just like one little tiny bit about hypnobirthing, why it works, and how you got interested in the book? So uh, I teach hypnobirthing the Mongan method. So Marie Mongan is a um, is the author of the hypnobirthing book uh, that's that's freely available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and uh, and she really tapped into this fear. Uh, well, it, she wasn't the first. She read a book called Childbirth Without Fear by Grantly oh, Dick Reed. Grantly Dick Reed, yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that was her go to book when she was pregnant and uh, and having her children. <laughs> And she really put together this connection that, um, you know, if, if somebody has a high level of fear, that causes tension and that can cause pain, especially in childbirth. And when we use hypnosis and we go into a state of relaxation, you know, we're tapping into our body's natural um, program for childbirth. I, you know, and, and Grantly Dick Reed, you know, uh, I guess... Uh, had cases of women who really were not in pain. They were working hard, but they were not, um, it wasn't uh, um, just, it was fear that was causing all of their discomfort as opposed to just saying, yes, I'm having a baby and that's hard work, but I'm not fearful. And so when Marie wrote her book, she incorporated that because that really allows you, this hypnosis, the relaxation process allows you to tap into that part of your body that knows how to give birth. And so that's, it's kind of a revelation for people. It takes a lot of pressure off to say, you don't have to learn how to give birth. You just have to learn how to stay out of the way. And Absolutely. Absolutely. Your mind and body and I, are yeah, connected. So. I bring this up because I believe that... The, the the less stress that you have in the childbirth experience, probably the less stress you will bring with you to the breastfeeding experience. And so I think it's kind of important to make that bridge there. And, and uh, by the way, for anyone who's interested, uh, I do have on the Born to be Breastfed site an Amazon store where uh, Marie Mongan's book actually is, so you can purchase it there if you wish. Uh you also mentioned Grantly Dick Reed, and I uh, we talked about that in my show with Dr. Ruth Lawrence. Uh, it was the uh, World Breastfeeding Week show, August 2015. So help me with this. How is hypnosis different than guided imagery or positive affirmations? Well, I think that they all have, have some overlap. I think that hypnosis, uh, really, the intention needs to be there. So we have we work with clients to actually help them to recognize what their own intention is. And so whether it's giving birth uh, naturally or uh, breastfeeding successfully, the important thing with hypnosis is that the person has to have a goal and that they want that they want to achieve. And so that works really well with sports as, as well. And then in, as part of that hypnosis, positive suggestions are incorporated into, into the relaxation process. So sometimes, you know, guided imagery might just be for the whole purpose is just relaxation and there may not be any other goal, but many times with hypnosis, somebody has a definite or we would want them to have a, a defined goal of what they want. And in hypnosis, many times people have heard the, the saying, um, seeing is believing, but in hypnosis, yes. we always like to say believing is seeing. So, oh, I like that. Yeah. 
So then, I, I'm intrigued by this piece about the goal because I didn't really know that. But you're saying that for hypnosis, having the goal is essential, Robin? Uh, I think so because if okay. some people, when they found out that I was, I help people with hypnosis, they said, oh, my son smokes. Can you make him stop smoking? Oh, right. And mm-hmm. the intention has to be there. If he doesn't want to stop smoking, right. hypnosis doesn't make you do something you're not unconscious otherwise yeah and uh you would you know anything that you wouldn't morally or ethically do when you're awake you would not do in hypnosis (laughs) so so it's not something done to you it's something that you do to yourself uh but you might be guided through a, a cd or you know somebody helping you but that person is helping you to define what you want and 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 helping you to get there so, Robin, in a way, I'm hearing you, you mentioned earlier about the guys with sports. So, if it's your intention to have, uh, I don't know, so many holes in one, or if it's your intention to uh, quit a bad habit like smoking or whatever, uh, any or or certainly to have a letdown, any of those things would be intention-based. Is that correct? Yes. And hypnosis, in theory, should be helpful. I can't tell you how fascinated I am with this. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with Robin Fries. When we come back, we're going to talk more specifically about how to use the hypnosis in order to have better milk production and better milk letdown. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuto? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with Robin Freeze, who is a lactation consultant, among other things. Uh, she also is involved in hypnobirthing, infant massage, and many more wonderful processes of helping mothers to work with their own bodies. So just before we 
went to break, Robin was talking with us about how the hypnosis really uh, is helpful when you have this intention to do something and basically you're accessing the more emotional side of your brain rather than the analytical part of your brain, which is frankly where most of us are a lot of the time. So, uh, Robin, you talked about the process of the hypnosis, but you also mentioned the person who's doing the hypnotizing. Does it really have to be a hypnotist? Because I don't know that I have, you know, however many hundred dollars per hour to hire a hip, hypnotist. Uh, how, how else can I get the, the hypnosis experience? Well, I think that there are, um, the, it's, it's just more of a guide. So basically, you know, looking for CDs and audio products that, actually um, for the topic that you're interested in. So if it were milk production or milk letdown or childbirth, um, that, you know, there are many, um, there's products that will, you know, support that and you can self-study because all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. So it really is um, being able to, um, you know, use a tool and sometimes, you know, people use uh, an actual person for help, but many times uh, they can use an audio program and find it um, very helpful. So let's say that I'm a working mother and I'm having trouble letting down to the pump when I'm at work. Then should I be listening to your CD while I'm in the work setting or should I listen to it beforehand or doesn't it make any difference or what? How does that work? Well, there is um, the hypnosis for pumping CD is designed to be used while you're pumping because that's when you need to have the letdown and it really kind of allows you to tap into that part of your brain that's going to um, start the relaxation process, make you feel more relaxed, and then um, and then uh, uh, maybe decrease some stress hormones that you were having while you were at work, and then increase the oxytocin and prolactin so that you'll you'll have a more effective pumping experience. Um, and the the one that the CD that is made for pumping is also designed to have a um, preset track. So if you only have 15 minutes of pumping time, you would uh, set, select that track, listen, and when the tape is over, you don't have to ever look at your watch or you know be worried about time to nice. get back to work because when it's over, you just stop pumping. Yeah, so it's kind of a built-in timer, so to speak. Yes, yes. So yeah. that one you would definitely use while you were... Uh, you know, while you're pumping. And then um, there's another CD that I've created called Making More Milk. And during that, that one you could just do as a relaxation uh, a certain time of day. There's no, um, you don't have to be pumping while you're listening to that. Do people fall asleep when they use the CDs that are the hypnosis CDs? Well, I think we all have different levels of awareness and consciousness. (laughs) And so many times people say, I only heard the first three minutes. Chances are your subconscious heard way more than you think because, mm-hmm. again, it's subconscious, so you don't always are aware that, you, that you're listening to it. And because, interestingly, when I asked people, I said, well, what happened when it was over? And they said, well, I, I, opened, I, woke, I opened my eyes and I turned the, the machine off or the, you know, the tape or the 
the CD player off. So I think that some part of their brain was listening for much of it. Um, it and again, you can't get stuck in hypnosis. If The worst that happens is you do fall asleep and then you wake up a little bit later. So there's no harm uh, to or side effect to it. <laughs> that was, I guess, my next question. You know, clearly they have shown that hypnosis is effective or can be effective with people, especially those that are highly suggestible. But my big question is, are there any adverse effects to hypnosis that have ever been documented? I am not aware of any adverse effects, at least in my field as far as using it for childbirth or pumping milk. I haven't um, heard of any problems with it. Uh, And so basically, again, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis, and so it really uh, focuses on what people want to do for themselves. Yes, well, I asked that question because, you know, so often we have these rather simple techniques and we don't use them. Uh, I know, for instance, that when I tell about how effective music is, people are usually, I have entire rooms full of experienced IBCLCs who have no idea about those, those studies. And yet, it's something very simple to implement. It's something that has been shown to be effective. Hypnosis has been shown to be effective. Skin-to-skin contact, we had... Uh, uh, Susie Luddington Ho came came on and uh, talked about how there are more than a thousand studies on skin to skin contact, and all of these things have never been shown to have any negative effects, and yet we're right. very slow to use these very simple things. Yes. So, Robin, this would be a good time for me to say, this sounds really great. How do we find? one or both of your websites, how do we find these CDs for uh, hypnobirthing or for uh, milk or whatever? We're doing? Tell us, how do we find you? What have you got? Why should we, why should we check you out here? Well, I have uh, my, my uh, website for my CDs is called breastmilkbabies.com. And there's an eight-minute video there explaining some of the um, uh, ideas that we've talked about today. And there's a if you if you sign up for your email, and it is a uh, we don't sell those lists; they're perfectly secure and private. Um, you get a tips and um, tools for pumping a handout, a, a downloadable PDF. And then on the other page, you can actually listen to samples of the CDs that we offer. Um, my other website, which is uh, my practice website, is called newbornconcepts.com. But uh, for the CDs, you can find them at breastmilkbabies.com. Well, you know what I'm going to say. I'm going to say everybody needs to check that out sooner rather than later if you are pregnant or breastfeeding. Uh, these are things that certainly could be very helpful to you, especially if you're facing some of those stress situations like we talked about earlier. That's all the time that we have today. Uh, Robin, thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed talking with you. I know that our guests have enjoyed, or our listeners have enjoyed listening. I'd like to invite all of you to come back next week if you're interested in books or other media that was mentioned on this show or even on previous shows. Please visit our Amazon store. And how do you do that? Well, visit my website at borntobebreastfed.com and you'll see those things. I'm happy to have anyone visit, but generally, if you're a parent, you'll want to visit me at Born to Be Breastfed for the books and media or 
take a look at my blog, whatever. Check out my Facebook page, too. You are welcome to leave a question for me or for Robin or for any of my guests. And by the way, please remember to like us while you're on that Facebook page. If you're a professional and you're looking for continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. My courses are, uh, you have tons of resources, and I also have a blog on my professional site. Check us out at breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuto, and I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.